Welcome to Run Like Hell Toward Happy, the podcast for creatives unlearning the hustle. In this podcast, you'll learn to break the rules of how it's always been done and go for your deep down dreams on your terms. I'm your host, Caitlin Liz Fisher, author and coach to creatives. Let's get started. Hello, my friends. We've all got self-doubt, right? That's just sort of par for the course of being a human. We're worried that we're not doing things right. We want to be better at what we do. We tend to get self-doubt and imposter syndrome when we are trying to do new things. So this episode is going to be about growth and perfectionism and self-doubt and who really benefits from those really high standards that we have because they're very high standards and we did not necessarily choose them for ourselves, right? We're going to talk about perfectionism and not just like perfectionism, like, oh, I'm a perfectionist. I want everything to be like really well done If I don't do it, I don't know it's done right. If you want something done right, I must do it myself. All this stuff is perfectionism. But specifically, I want to talk about the idea that we pursue perfection because we should. That's a whole different thought. That we should be striving for mastery, for perfection, for betterment. Perfection is what we need in order to grow. That's what I want to unpack a little bit right now. Uh, because what, where'd that come from? Where did this thought that like to be achieving, to be successful, to be our best self, we must be striving to improve to a point of mastery and perfectness. Who put that there? I don't think it was me. I don't think of my own volition. I would be like, you know what? I actually don't like naps. I think to be my best self, I need to go start a billion dollar business. I don't know. Whatever your example is. So what happens when this is the belief? And then who would we be without that belief? Like who expects you to be perfect? Who put that on you? pause for a moment and allow you to think about that. Who put this idea of perfection upon you? Because I do not think we are born with it. Perfectionism, in my opinion, now I'm not like a perfectionism researcher or whatever. I'm a creative coach with a podcast. But perfectionism comes from two different directions, right? It comes from like inside of us, like the pressure that we felt usually as children. So that was placed on us by adults in our lives, like high standards from adults that we then internalize to mean that we have to be perfect in order to be loved or to achieve or to be good enough. And that comes with a whole bunch of goodness. And then there's also this external level of perfectionism from societal norms and exceptions to those societal norms. Like when we hear about 
exceptions to norms. They're like really special people, right? Like, oh, uh, I believe Bill Gates is a common example of like somebody who didn't finish college, right? But he exceptionally didn't finish college, right? He founded Microsoft. He became a household name. He is fucking Bill Gates, you know? And so if he wasn't so special, he would not have been allowed to go outside of that norm of a college education. So this external perfectionism standard thing comes from like the escalator of how we are supposed to go through life, the milestones we are expected to hit. And if we don't do them the way the white cis het patriarchy says, then we are, we are abnormal. We want to go back to the episode about what's normal and why do we want to be normal? And so it's, it's just standards. It's just arbitrary standards about how we're supposed to act. So I, want, I, I challenge this in this episode. And we're talking about who benefits from these standards. We see advertising about being perfect, right? Like, oh, get your perfect streak-free shine with Windex. Like, you can't just use whatever to clean your windows it's got to be like the best thing to clean your windows we are marketed to so constantly and everything is saying that it is the absolute best solution for a problem that you have and like god we are so tired of marketing and i say this as someone who has to market you know like i have to tell you about my business <laughs> i have to sell stuff and services in order to survive and live and have an income and pay my rent, you know, but the media, right? The streak free shine, like have the cleanest home, be the best mom, have the best skin, shave your legs, your already hairless legs in a razor commercial. <laughs> Smell better. Use this soap. Use five face creams, one for every day of the week because your T-zone is oily on Thursdays. Like we get all these messages about how to improve the things that we're doing every day. There's constant input of messages that we're not doing it as best as we can. We're not doing it perfectly yet. So there's a product for that. We are tired. So all these messages of how we can be doing it better just sort of continues to internalize that idea that what we're doing right now must not be enough. So I am not enough. Let's think about that. Okay. That is a thought that we frequently have self-doubt wise is we think we're not good enough at whatever. So think about the ways that you have said or thought or believed that you're not good enough as a parent as a partner, as an employee, as a business owner, a creator, a teacher, a friend, when have you been not good enough? And how does that make you feel? What's the feeling that comes from that belief that you're not good enough? Do you feel small and tiny and insignificant, guilty, shameful? doesn't feel good. 
So sit with that and then think about who benefits from that feeling. Who wins when you are losing this battle of self-doubt? And obviously going back to like all the commercials, right? Like the, the market wins, all those companies win because when you think you're not perfect, you buy stuff to be better, right? But it's also so much more than that. It's more than just a product. Perfectionism, as we have talked about before, is a tool of capitalism, right? White supremacist patriarchy capitalism. This system that we live in says that if you behave within these parameters perfectly, within within these standards, you will win, you will survive, you will get ahead, right? This is why we compare ourselves to each other. Am I getting more ahead than my neighbor? But who's deciding what those standards are? the capitalists, the patriarchy, like the people in charge, the people in power decide the standards so that they can keep more people out of this area where we can win, right? So this sets us up to be chasing this perfection that is being promised to us. Kind of feels a little bit like Christianity. Sorry, but you know, like behave this way, never sin, and you will get to enjoy the kingdom of heaven. (laughs) So sorry for laughing. I know good Christian people and Christianity itself is not like inherently fucked, but man, we have really used it to fuck up a lot of the world. So I am going to talk a little bit of shit about it. Okay. (laughs) Moving on. These rules change all the time, right? Because we're not the ones in charge of them. So as soon as we have met the standard, the standard changes. And this is kind of what I talk about a little bit in the gaslighting of the millennial generation. Like there's this moving of the goalposts. They say, oh, you can achieve whatever you want if you work hard. And then we work hard. And they're like, no, we never said that. So I have some feelings. So like, let's, let's start with the internal stuff, like the stuff that we learn through our families and through small scale social learning. The way that we are taught to be perfect, perform our goodness, our perfectness, the way we are brought up to behave well. The biggest example of this is gender. So we gender code our infants and then put a bunch of expectations on them, like before they are out of the womb. So like think about femininity, what you associate with femininity, Uh, Being a girl, being a woman, soft skin, no body hair, wearing makeup and dresses, being curvy, but only good curvy, being beautiful, like seeking beauty standards. Women are supposed to be beautiful. Women are supposed to be nurturing. Um, They do more household labor just because that's, you know, women's work. I hope you can feel my eyes rolling. Uh, Women are submissive and should never be angry or aggressive. These are things that we start teaching our children without even noticing that we do it sometimes. A lot of this is just inherently baked into societal activity. (laughs) 
And then think about masculinity. Like, what do you associate with boys, with men? So, like, beards, manly deodorant smell, like, shark bait, and trucks having sex. Uh, men are aggressive. Men do the outside stuff, like grilling and mowing the lawn. Uh, they do physical labor. They're more dominant. They don't do, like, the inside labor. And that's our general expectation of masculinity. And now a lot of people do start to deconstruct this on purpose. And that's great. And I love that. These are just like norms. They're social norms. They're social constructs. They are made up. There is nothing about your DNA that means you need to look and present and perform in these ways. All of this gendered stuff is stuff that we just teach babies and then keep reinforcing. If we just collectively stopped, I think people would just kind of vibe and do whatever they want. And that's rad. And I love that. So after that little thought experiment there, let's think about like the workplace. So what is perfectionism at work? This shows up in what we call professionalism. So what's professional? Showing up early and working late, going above and beyond, always putting the company first, dressing up and looking very neat and clean and tidy. Why? I don't want to go down too much of a rabbit hole there, but like that's just free extra labor and putting a bunch of your time and resources into your appearance for the sake of your job when really you're only there to just work and then go home get paid for that work. But we don't think about it that way. Because our social norm is that our jobs are like just that important that they need to take more from us than just our eight-hour shift, you know? Uh, Have a professional hair, right? I've talked about this before. You probably already know where I'm going. If you Google professional hair, you will see like white women. And if you Google unprofessional hair, you will see black women, you will see afros and you will see braids and you will see locks as unprofessional when you Google it, because the further you get from the social norm of being white and thin and heterosexual and classically beautiful, whatever that means, like the further you are from that the more you will be punished for the deviation from the norm. You can see this like perfectionism thing kind of playing out. We've got like a lot of union busting happening right now, like with Starbucks. So Starbucks is firing workers for like very minor infractions for like the sake of the rules, like the professional rules that they're supposed to be following. And yet A lot of these people who have gotten fired at Starbucks have said that their managers have forced them into breaking those rules before. So we see that when breaking the rules is in favor of the company, like, yeah, all day long, they'll steal your lunch break. They'll like steal your wages. That's perfectly fine for them. That's the norm, right? I'll just do it. You know, be a company man, whatever. But as soon as you start deviating from the norm and starting to unionize and starting to advocate for yourself, they use those same broken rules as punishment. It's fucked up and I hate it. 
let's talk about parenting. What happens when mom takes the kids to the park versus when dad takes the kids to the park? Dad goes 1% over the bar of the social norm. The social norm being mom handles the kids. If a dad tries at all to do anything, even if he fucks it up, everybody's like, oh my God, super dad. Meanwhile, if a mom does the exact same thing the dad does, she could be seen as lazy or not doing enough, et cetera, et cetera. I'm not here to shit on dads. I'm just telling you about social norms. Who does that benefit, right? That benefits, again, white capitalist patriarchy. Like we systemically keep women paid less reinforcing the societal norm that they are the ones who take care of the kids, which lowers their lifetime earnings, increases dependence on partners, typically male. And then when moms do work outside the home, they have this constant like perfectionism demanding at work as well as perfectionism being demanded at home. So like, God, more power to working moms. You are so tired and I love you and I wish you a nap. And a million dollars. That's a system, but it starts like so small, you know? We start it at home in our families, and then it just makes sense with the world around us. It gets reinforced throughout our whole lives, right? So, this white capitalist, cis, het, ableist patriarchy is benefiting from our perfectionist standards to the tune of billions of dollars a year. Like, The diet industry, billions of dollars. High-end fashion, billions of dollars. Spas and haircuts and manicures, like beauty industry, that's the word. Beauty industry, billions of dollars. And these societal norms based on like being within the norm versus being othered is how this works. So again, the closer you are to the norm, the less you have to perform to be seen as good enough. The further you are from the norm, for instance, fat people, fat women or fat gender non-conforming people, such as myself, we often feel this pressure to be like super hyper feminine in our appearance because like we're fat and that counts against us. So we have to like put on makeup and have our hair done really well and be very high fashion and look very nice to like make up for and apologize to you through your eyes for having to look at a fat person. We're doing that on like every scale. So obviously societal systems here are benefiting from these self-doubts and these standards and this perfectionistic tendency that we pick up because we don't want to be othered. We don't want to be kicked out of the club because the club is where we make enough money to pay our rent. But I also want to talk about relationships, like personal relationships and who benefits from self-doubts on that scale. So now we're talking interpersonally and not just systemically. So for instance, when your self-doubt makes you not enforce a boundary, I don't know, I don't want to make that person mad. So like, I'll just kind of swallow my feelings and push them down and never bring this up to them, even though I have a problem with how they're treating me. But like, no, I want to keep the peace. That benefits them. You're benefiting them by not standing up for yourself. When you 
spend a bunch of time putting on makeup, even if you hate it, getting dressed in quote, flattering clothing, even if it's uncomfortable. When you're getting dressed like for the male gaze, and when you stay quiet around men who are interrupting you, that's benefiting them. You're doing that for them. You're performing for their benefit. You don't have to. You literally just don't have to do this. If you find yourself like in the middle of getting ready, like I don't fucking want to do this today. I don't need mascara. Stop. You don't have to shave your legs. You don't have to do anything performative with your body for the benefit of those around you at all. And it's the same with your boundaries. When you believe in professionalism and do all that stuff that like we're pressured to do systemically, you are interpersonally benefiting your boss, right? So if you stay, you're working late hours, you're doing extra shit, you don't really get the credit for that. Your boss gets the credit for that. Your manager gets the credit for that. And they will take every ounce of free work that they can get from you because it makes them look good. Stop doing free stuff for people. You don't have to do that. Those benefits are for you. (laughs) You know, your hard work is for you. Your wardrobe and makeup and accessory choices should be because you want them, not because somebody else expects you to dress a certain way or look a certain way. It is an act of resistance to be yourself regardless of what other people think is appropriate. I'm going to say that again later because it's really good. (laughs) But for now, to talk about this concept, I'm bringing on my very good friend, Sarah, who has had some trouble transitioning back into the office. She just got like her return to office email and that brought on uh, quite a process in unpacking everything that she thought she would now have to do again in order to like show up and be professional at work. So we're going to have a conversation about that and it's going to be amazing. Hey there, quick note. I hope that you are loving this episode so far. Listening to the show is a great first step in reframing the way you approach your goals. And if you're ready to take what you're learning to the next level, I've got something awesome for you. Visit runlikehelltowardhappy.com slash offer to check it out. So joining us for this episode to just talk a little bit about who benefits from your doubts is my friend, Sarah. I've talked about Sarah on the show before. I don't know if I mentioned her by name, but she's my my high power attorney friend. Uh, so we're going to talk a little bit about, about her transition from being a high power attorney to being uh, a Midwesterner again. Again. <laughs> Again. So Sarah, say hello. Share a little bit about what you do, like however much you want to share. Sure, sure. Uh, hi, I am Sarah. Uh, I am a lawyer by trade. And I was, as Caitlin said, a, a high-powered attorney for about a decade um, in the greater New York City metro area, uh, which is a really crazy place to be a high-powered attorney. <laughs> and uh, I am now in a legal-adjacent career in basically the same general field in the Midwest. And I actually did all of that during the pandemic. So I, yeah, I packed up myself, my husband, 
my two kids and we just said peace out and, and left the greater New York City metro area and moved to uh, central Illinois. Yeah. I love that for you, though. You were just like, it's time. It is time to go back. <laughs> I'm, I'm from this area, so it, it absolutely was time to go back. And uh, yeah. it, it really was the right move for everybody at the time. Yeah. Now you're closer to me. I am. That's what's really important. The topic of this episode that you are joining us for is about like who benefits from your doubts. And I asked you to come on because you flew into my dms the other day um let's let's i think we should call that what it was which was a panic attack in your dms i was like she'll get to it later (laughs) (laughs) yeah so let's let's tell the crowd about about your panic attack in your closet yes so i think like so many people right now I got my return to office email and it has been almost two years since I've been inside of an office and I've never been in this office ever because I came here during a pandemic. So I got it and I did what probably every other person does when you get it. They're like, ha ha, I'm going to have to take my sweatpants off. Um, And I didn't think much about it. I called my husband and I said, hey, can you um, grab the clothes that are still in boxes, my work clothes still in boxes, and just put them in my closet? Um, I have like a big walk-in closet. So I said, just put the boxes in my closet because I, I have to go through them. I had a health issue while I was out in the pandemic. So I need to see what, what still fits, what doesn't still fit. Um, there's going to be some work here. And I went upstairs to go just go through the boxes like not a big deal, right? Except while sitting on the floor going through these boxes, I started thinking like, shit, like I have to get my hair done regularly. I have to like, people are going to see my roots. Like I, I got to get my nails done. I-, I have to get my brows waxed. I mean, do I own shoes that are appropriate? All I wear are flats now that I bought at Old Navy like for $5, I think they're technically slippers. Um, like I, I had like this complete anxiety attack and I, like it was so bad and so overwhelming that I quite literally sat on my floor in my closet with the boxes like spread out in front of me. Like my, it was like, it was like you could, my boxes of anxiety, like just sitting out in front of me freaking the fuck out and I I I finally like lifted myself up off the floor I I just like exploded into Caitlin's hands like oh my god Caitlin I have to do all these things what am I gonna do like I'm freaking out I don't I don't even want to do any of this like I I have to and her response was like who says you have to do any of this (laughs) people Yeah, I'm laughing now. I can laugh now. Now this is funny. At the time, it was not. It was funny. not. <laughs> it was not funny. It was not funny. I am struck, like, by how often you'll you'll come talk to me, and my response will just be like, "Why? <laughs> like, wh- why, why do you think you have to do that? Because, because, and <laughs> so a lot of this is because, like, you are transitioning not only from work from home back into the office where there are expectations around like how to dress and how to act. 
and you know having your hair done and stuff but you're also experiencing this transition from east coast to midwest so highlight what that's like for us like what what do you have to look like as an east coast lawyer as an east coast professional and particularly a woman of a certain i'm gonna say class but frankly it's a cast let's be real i remember the word i would put is polished and i like the word polished when you're talking about the east coast female professional because it's completely exterior it's it's shiny and the outside is shiny and it's not reflective of the inside and i think that's really important because the exterior is painted up you have your makeup on you have your 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 waxing done you have the designer handbag you have the uniform it's 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 a polished uniform of of what every single female at that courthouse looks like that blowout has to be on point. There was a girl and and I loved her. She was such a beautiful person. But the first thing you noticed was that she had like six kids and the best blowout I've ever seen. Like I would come in there. I mean, and I was pretty put together. Like, and I would be like, whoa, how's she doing that when she has like six kids? Like it, it, it just, and, and she did it. She did it anyway. Because that's what you were supposed to look like. And out here, when I asked my boss here what the dress code was for our office, her exact words to me were, don't be embarrassed if you see a judge in the deli. That's the standard. <laughs> You're going to be all right. That's like, that's it. That's a different standard <laughs> than like you need a whole like team, team, a to, team. Keep you, to keep you intact on the East Coast. Yes, you you have to be like aerobicized and blown out and and you've been up since five in the morning because you did all of this and dropped your kids off in like the world's biggest SUV. So that's exhausting and it's overwhelming. So for me to go from that universe then to being at home and then to back into a universe where the standard is don't look like a hobo if you run into the judge at the sandwich shop. Yeah, you're not, you're not sure what to do, right? You're like, I, what, I, what? I'm just sitting there being like, does that require mascara? I don't know. Like, can you wear jeans? <laughs> do you want to wear jeans? Like, I don't even, I wouldn't be embarrassed I, in I, jeans, I, but like. I, I don't know. And I mean, and I came from a workplace where I swear to God, it was a closed office. So no one else was ever there. But you could only wear jeans on Fridays if you donated a dollar to like St. Jude. Yeah. I was like, who who made this rule up? No one, the people who are going to see me in jeans are the same people who were here on Wednesday. And I could have just given a dollar to St. Jude and worn jeans Wednesday, I guess. I, this yeah. is terrible. There's this weird, it's completely like, arbitrary. like, casual Fridays, but only if you put, like, money in. Thing. I don't understand it. Whatever. I have opted out of corporate <laughs> you, life. We will, save you. we will save you from the patriarchy one day a week, but only if you donate to charity. Only, yes. Oh. <laughs> Oh my god! So, so that was exhausting, obviously. And you know, you've only got two kids. I'm so tired. And it was exhausting. I'm, I'm I, thinking about it. it. Makes me tired. Yeah, I believe that. I'm glad that you moved to somewhere where you don't have to do that. What are some of like the norms and things that used to be like totally normal, but that you didn't do during work from home? Well, a lot of it fell away because of COVID pandemic protocols. So, which I 
there was kind of a sort of like gross reaction to that, wherein low maintenance women were somehow like treated as better than high maintenance women. And I was like, you know, only the freaking patriarchy could make us fight when there's like a global health crisis right. about like, our oh, how, like this is how so often ridiculous. do you need a trim <laughs> like ah oh, think of yeah. think of the children was, don't was, cut your own hair in your basement which uh, like literally my partner so... cuts my hair for me so like i'm grateful but yeah yeah and i mean there was initially like that sort of like visceral reaction i remember thinking that is so gross are we really doing this like no no ladies like let's just it's okay we don't have to fight right now um so I stopped blowing out my hair and at first it was a convenience thing. And then it was, I listened to this Ted talk as part of a uh, DEI certification where a, a woman of color was talking about the blowout as like institutionalized whiteness in professionalism. And I, I was like, I'm never blowing my hair out again. Like, this is, this is life changing. Like uh, my, I didn't know my hair had had so much power. <laughs> but, um, yeah. So I, I, I stopped blowing out my hair. I'm never doing that again. I was actually talking with my boss about that today on teams and she looked at me like I was a lunatic and didn't care. Um, <laughs> She's like, why and- are you telling me this? This is a non-issue. She's like, what? Oh. Yeah, she's like, okay, Sarah. (laughs) So I didn't do that. I stopped getting manicures and my nails are actually super healthy now. I basically just do my brows every day because I like to. And I mean, and like just sort of not. I I now have a favorite brand of athleisure that has nothing to do with my peers. It's just because it's comfy. Why am I going to go buy $85 joggers? That's silly. And and believe me, they, they exist. I think like me undies joggers are like sixty there's, bucks, and that's there is a undies. line of joggers. I won't name this specifically because I don't know like what the rules are. the The lawyer mom community is obsessed, and they are eighty five dollars. So I just know hard no, pass. I um, I think my that's why I'm not a lawyer mom. You know, there's so many reasons not to be a lawyer mom. <laughs> Just so many. So many. That's the one for me. You know, if it wasn't for those $85 joggers, the, I would definitely in. have gone to law school. 100%. Um, so letting... Yeah, absolutely not. I can't I can't afford law school. No one can. That's the really fun part about law school right now. For me, a lot of what I let go to, like I said, with the doing the DEI inclusion class, I did it from home while I was in the pandemic. Um, it, you got a minute to think about the choices you made. Even as to your external presentation, and and again, and like I, mm-hmm. I hope everyone did that. I hope everyone sat home and said, you know, I'm the same professional in my sweatpants right now that I'm going to be on April 1st or April 15th or whenever you go back. Mm-hmm. That's the same person, and a pair of Dockers and a or, or a blowout doesn't change that my hair doesn't have a degree i have a degree so i I think that like realizing that is really important i think people need to do that yeah for sure how much would you say that you spent on like those maintenance the polish how much did the polish run you 
I don't like even want to think. I don't want to do that math problem. Okay. <laughs> I won't make you do it. Would you say it's in I like think, like hundreds of dollars? I would say probably in thousands. Thousands Easily. of dollars a year. Thousands, especially if you're paying East Coast major metropolitan area prices. Absolutely. Yeah. Thousands of dollars. I mean, it's unbelievable. Especially if you like buy into the sort of the the label culture that goes with that. Mm-hmm. And frankly, the diet culture that goes with that. Mm-hmm. I mean, that you start talking about a lot of cash there. But I mean, my haircut out here when I when I go, which is frankly, you know, not that often. It's so cheap. Like mm-hmm. I was like raining tips on people. Oh yeah, <laughs> I probably <laughs> spend like twenty five dollars on my haircut, including a very good tip like twice yeah. a year just to get like the part of my mm-hmm. hair that exists trimmed because otherwise Brennan just shaves the rest of my head for me because most of it is just shaved. I've got this queer energy going on. I, I, I dig it. I'm here for it. I, I like that it's cheap yeah. and it makes you happy. Those are my two favorite things now. Like if you can yes. combine that in, yes, it, is in it my life and it makes me happy. That's awesome. This, this awesome shirt, I got it for like $8. It's this really pretty green and it's comfy. I got an old navy for like eight bucks. And I was like, I love yes. it. I love it. Just even so, like, even me, like in my Midwestern life, right? For a minute, I was doing Stitch Fix boxes because I was yeah. like, I'm gonna dress like a professional. <laughs> and so I'm spending like eighty hundred dollars to like buy all this stuff out of these boxes, possibly more. And mm-hmm. like, sure, it's like designer, but. It yeah didn't change me. No, no, because you're the same professional in your sweatpants as you are in the right. Nice clothes from so the like today, spot. I am wearing like some booty shorts and a tank top. I do occasionally still do Stitch Fix for like something very specific, like that. Stitch yeah. will do like an event for you or something like that, which is awesome. Um, I have the best pink jacket from Stitch Fix. I cannot wait to put it on again. I'm really excited about that. But like that's, that's awesome. I, I'm gonna choose to put on my awesome pink jacket because I can and I want to and it makes me feel cute. Um, right. Versus not because like, of any like external this, pressure. Yeah. No. 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 It just makes me think of my husband's grandmother and she was a boss. So <laughs> nice. Nice. <laughs> so so you've been working from home and now you like don't have to. You don't have this like upkeep pressure anymore right like that's what we worked through together as I was like Sarah like you literally don't you literally don't I don't have to how how did it feel to like realize that you don't have to it's so liberating you just you feel so free it's just there's no omnipotent they that's gonna like strike me down if I don't have polished nails Right, yeah, Which they don't jump the out of the bushes and like no, beat you they don't. With a stick. They don't with a stick. There's no person in a, it's not happening. Um yeah. being told out loud on purpose you don't have to do any of these things is is so crazy because the messages are so insidious. It's almost a cultural moment. Mm-hmm. If you want to think about it that way, uh, you're probably going to have to put a trigger warning because of me, but um I saw this ad on Instagram the other day and it was 
a a woman standing in front of a mirror in like a pair of sweatpants and she was in like the standard white woman like work from home wardrobe you know putting that in quotations air quotes um and she was holding up what was clearly a pair of toddler pants like so small that they were they these were pants for a child this woman never fit in these pants they were a child's Mm -hmm. pants and it said like the next screen flash i was like are you ready for a return to work and it was for like some kind of diet company i don't know which one it was because i went white with the rage like my whole vision just blocked out and like i tossed my phone across the room i was like i will never go on instagram again like you know just had this like it was so gross and if you know who this company is call caitlin so she can put them on blast um but (laughs) don't do that don't do that just go buy new pants that aren't for a toddler and don't go on a crash diet like even your fat phobic primary care doctor won't tell you to go on like don't do that and and the fact that like this is being now sold as a marketing mechanism that you at home are not enough Mm -hmm. whatever version of you exists at home is not enough Yep. Get right back that into that corporate stuff. Get you gotta get back look how this the, way. Yep. How the patriarchy wants you to look. How white yeah. supremacy wants you to look. You must fit in. You must be thin. You yeah. must be white. You must be pretty. You don't. You gotta let that crap go. And I tell you that I have uh, I with Caitlin's assistance, obviously. Um, I let that crap go. So when I saw that ad, instead of like feeling bad about myself, I'm like, oh shit, I should buy that. Like. I was like, no, fuck that. And like through my phone, I was so mad. Yeah. <laughs> Good. I'm glad for you. So, I'm once again, like so happy that I actually mentioned this today earlier too. Like we met and bonded over weight loss. Like we were beach body buds, beach body besties. Yeah. And now we're mm-hmm. both like, fuck diet culture. I hate it. Burn it to the ground. Bad. Burn it all down. Yeah. You know, I, I'm telling I'm people to call that. you and tell you what the name of that company is yes because they didn't die of a white hot rage coma at the moment that it happened <sighs> oh um, my god so knowing what you know letting go of what you have let go of being liberated like this do you think that that mindset is like 100 percent on or do you think you're gonna like feel some pressure once you start getting back in the office i think anyone who doesn't say or who does say that they would feel no pressure is lying that's a yeah, lie. that's fair. And it is, it's a that's practice fair. and it's a process. That was a trick it, question. That was just to all. go into my little <laughs> spiel that, you know, yeah. un, unlearning these norms, mm-hmm. these honestly like oppressive, normalizing, make everybody the same norms. Unlearning all that is such a process and it is literally a practice. So you will have to practice. Mm-hmm. Like, Somebody at work is going to come in with a new haircut and you're going to be like, shit, should I get a haircut? And the answer yeah, is absolutely. if you want one, <laughs> yeah. but I mean, you and, don't have to. And I also think that there are steps you can take to kind of try to the extent that you have power. Um, and if you have that power, you should use it responsibly and to help people. I think we're in a moment where if we wanted to change the workplace, this is it. Yeah, this is it. You're it's not going to get handed to you on a more clear buffet system than right now where you can say, "Mm, I don't think so. And to the extent you can do that and you can put that pressure on, you should so that the office is no longer based on what a 1950s white male wanted. 
and instead now reflects the content of that workplace, which is not made up of all white dudes. There's a fitness instructor I like to watch, uh, I like to follow, um, and she transitioned from a a corporate lawyer job, which is why I love her, over to a a, a, a health company. I'm just gonna say health company, and she had posted the real time list of like her deciding to leave corporate culture and what she wanted. And one of the things she put on there was show tattoos. Mm -hmm. And that may seem like really small and really trivial, but it was important to her. So she wrote it down. You have to ask for what you want or you won't get it. So I I think that, that, you know, so she said, well, I know it sounds trivial and silly, but I can't show my tattoos at this corporate lawyer job. And I'd like to be able to show my tattoos at my next job. And, and she manifested that. And again, this is obviously an educated person who has some level of power, but if you have that power, please I'm, I'm beg of you use it and let the people show their tattoos like pink hair or, or, or diverse hair. Yes, for sure. And I will, I will find out who did that TED talk. It's excellent. You should listen to it. Um, where she was yes, I'll put a link it. to it in the show notes. Yeah. Oh my gosh. It was so good. She, she had an experience as a person of color where her hair wasn't acceptable. I'm just going, let's not, let's, let's not yeah. continue that. We have the chance now to not. So let's not. Yeah. My husband is, he's dealing with the same transition I have, which is from the East coast to the Midwest. And Yesterday, he told me that he was going to burn his ties because <laughs> he is literally the only guy on a fairly, like, it's a legal proceeding who is not wearing a Nike polo shirt. Oh, my God. Like He put on, like, a tie and a shirt. He's like, I'm going to burn all my ties. And I'm sitting there being, and I'm thinking, I'm like, man, I'm going to give you the lighter. <laughs> yeah. Because we need white dudes like you on this team. So here's a match. Put my Spanx on there with it. Thanks. (laughs) Yes. I love all of this. This was such a great conversation. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Thanks for coming on. (laughs) I know it was like short notice and you were like, Caitlin, I'm having a terrible time with my whole life. And I'm like, you should come talk about it on my show. (laughs) You know, I I feel like this is a very small price to pay to have you in my life, like straightening me out. I mean... It's so funny because you, when you talk about me, you're like, she's high powered. She's all things. And I'm like, she puts her contacts in the wrong eyeball. <laughs> you know, we're all a little bit of a mess and that's okay. And I love you so much. Oh, thanks. I love you too. Aww. I'm so happy we're friends. I'm so happy we're friends too. <laughs> so I, yeah, I hope this helps someone. I hope that someone doesn't have a panic attack in their closet. I, I was telling Caitlin that a friend of mine messaged me because she had the same anxiety attack I did and she didn't have a Caitlin. So she went and spent $115 at a hair salon. Yeah. I'm saving people, said, saving people hundreds of dollars on hair salons. You I said, Caitlin, you saved my heart and $115. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, I love this. Thank you so much for sharing with us. For Thank you for having me. For talking about your closet panic attack so candidly it's gonna resonate i know it is awesome thank you so much sarah for sharing your experience and letting our listeners hear your story and just to kind of wrap this episode up i think that there is so much that we can learn 
from our experiences, especially during COVID, for those of us who have been able to work from home. Because that really upset these social norms in a huge way. So we are now really resistant to being brought back in just for the sake of being in an office. Like we know that we can work just as well from home. Most of us can. Some people do want to be back in the office and that's cool. If you want to be back in the office, more power to you. But a lot of us have realized like, no, actually I have a lot more of my life when I work from home. And I don't want to do all this performative bullshit. Like if you need me back in the office, like, cool, I'll go back in the office. But like, I'm dressing comfy and I'm not getting haircuts. And that's totally fair. (laughs) When we leverage that or say like, hey, you know, I actually can do my job with purple hair or a piercing or my tattoos visible. Like, oh my God, like we're standing up for ourselves and advocating for ourselves and saying like, you no longer get to benefit from me making myself small for your comfort and your norms and your whatever. And like Sarah said, as much as possible, like use your privilege to kind of advocate for the group because some people who are further out from that norm can't make as much noise as you can if you are closer to the norm. So make some noise. I love it. Go forth, be a badass, take up space. And remember, I said I was going to say it again, and here it is. It is an act of resistance to be your amazing, incredible self, regardless of what other people think is normal or appropriate. It is an act of resistance for you to be who you are. And that is so powerful. Thanks for spending this time with me today. We're on a mission, you and me, to stop hustling and to reconnect with the things that make us human. And I need your help to do that. Please subscribe and review the show on iTunes or CastBox. And then let me know in the Run Like Hell Toward Happy community where you can win prizes for leaving reviews. Big thanks to Leave Nelson B. for my music and Jennifer Hearn for photography. See you next time.